Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. To thank the, the pastor and the leaders of um, our youth ministry for inviting me to share fellowship with you. And I must say, I am most delighted to be here. And um, I have just a few minutes to run through the few things I would want to say. And um, I just pray that the Lord will minister to us as we share in Jesus' name. Um, shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you for this great opportunity that we have to come into your presence, whether on site or online, and to hear you minister to us and to share fellowship with one another. Lord, I just pray that you minister to us, you teach us. And Lord, I just pray that Father, everyone under the sound of my voice this morning, will leave your presence with something to hold on to that will touch their lives and make a difference in them. Thank you, eternal rock of ages, and to you be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I have titled my sharing Motivated to be Separate motivated to be separate my objective this morning or this afternoon is already a bit after 12 this afternoon is um, just to share three things with us and I'm hoping that that should motivate us sufficiently to focus on being separate and I pray that the Lord will help us if you have your Bibles with you, I want us to quickly turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll be reading from verse 14, and I'll read through to 18, and then I'll read the very first verse of chapter 7. Motivated to be separate. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there? What agreement is there? between the temple of God and idols. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17, Therefore, come out from them 
and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Praise the Lord. Perhaps some of you must have wondered why this huge force about the need to be separate. Why the team be separate? Why are we talking about being separate? Particularly for those of you who are young. You are that age where you want to build your network. You want to be accepted in different circles. You want to be relevant. You want to be appreciated. You want to be recognized. You want to make progress in your career. You want to meet as many people as possible. Yet, we are advocating that you be separate. Why? Why be separate? Why be separate? Now, I know you've had some teachings on what it means to be separate. All I want to do this afternoon is just address a few things from the passage of scripture that we have read with the hope that it will be sufficient to motivate you to be separate. And in doing this, I'll just look at three key things and all taken from the passage that we have read. The very first one is God's presence. And then the next one is God's acceptance. And then the third one is God's fatherhood. God's fatherhood. Because these are all the promises from the passage of scripture that we have read. Reasons why it's important for us to be separate. And when we go through all these three points, I'm sure you would really see that, yes, it is worth your while to focus on being separate. You would come to appreciate that, yes, it is important for you to be separate. God's presence, God's acceptance, and God's fatherhood. Let me quickly take the first one. God's presence. God's presence. When you look at verse 16 of the passage of scripture that we read, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idol? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them 
and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. The focus there is God's presence. Essentially, this verse is talking about God's presence. And it says, we are the temple of the living God. One key component of God's presence within the context of this passage is the fact that we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. And let me, let, let me, let me backtrack a bit so that I can lay some kind of foundation to build on. And I want to look at the symbolism of the temple. And let me go back to Old Testament times. So that as I, as, as, as I go back to the Old Testament times, we can connect to the significance of the temple. And then, when the Bible says, we are the temple of God, we can better appreciate what it means. You see, for the Israelites, and under the Old Testament, the temple symbolized the presence and the protection of the Lord God amongst his people. The temple meant a lot to them. And in those days, they had just one temple. And that was to signify the fact that, look, Yahweh was one. That God was one. So they had only one temple. And that's why all of them will come from wherever and gather in Jerusalem. They may have synagogues, they may have what? The temple was what? One. And that was the center of activity for them. Their lives were centered around the temple. So the temple meant a lot. It symbolized the presence of God. It symbolized protection for them. And that's why when the temple was dedicated, you see that in 2 Chronicles 7 verses 1 and 2. We are told that God came down from heaven and filled the temple with his glory. We're told that God came down from heaven and filled the temple with his glory. And from then on, the temple carried the glory of God. And I really want you to note this because this is very important. It helps us to understand the significance and the symbolism of, it, of the temple. And at that dedication of the temple, God promised to put his name on his temple. So we saw that his, his glory filled the temple. So the temple carried his glory. And again, we now see that God says, that look, I'll put my name on this temple. 
It then meant that the temple carried God's name. And then he goes on to say, and promise them that he would hear them each time they prayed from the temple. And the temple was also a reminder of their redemption. So, that's how important the temple was. So, the temple was at the heart of their lives. So, when the Bible uses the word temple and it says we are the temple of God, there's so much to it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for God and it must be a big deal for us as well. And then as we come under the new covenant, as we come under the new covenant, the focus of worship for us as Christians shifted from the temple to Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus Christ now, not the temple, represents God's presence amongst his people. And Jesus called himself the temple. And by the sacrifice on the cross, he fulfilled all the sacrifices that they used to make in the temple in those days. All the sacrifices that took place in the temple. So Jesus took that place. And you recall when he met the Samaritan woman by the well. And they got talking. He told her, he said, well, very soon. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to the temple to worship. But you worship in spirit and what? Truth. So Jesus then became the embodiment of the meaning of the temple. And through his spirit, Christ lives in the church and requires his body to be holy. And that's why we now, and, and, and the Bible now tells us that we are the temple of God because his spirit indwells in us. And this carries a huge significance because like we saw the temple in the Old Testament represented the presence of God and if as Christians the spirit of God now dwells in us what it means is that we are now carriers of that presence and that means a lot and that's why the Bible says we are the temple of God. We are his temple. And that's why the Bible warns us strongly against any defilement of the human body by immorality or impurity because we are his temple. And what are the implications of being God's temple?
You know, as I thought through this, it just dawned on me again that I need to carry myself differently. I now, you know, the, the consciousness that the Holy Spirit dwells in me and that I am the temple of God. You know, it, it, it was as if this was hitting me afresh. And I'm constantly reminding myself that, look, Peter, you are the temple of God. You carry with you the presence of God. Is it not a big deal to be a God carrier? Are you with me? Is it not, does it not mean much to you? That when you focus on separating yourself, one of the key fallouts and benefits and outcome is the fact that you carry God's presence with you. You become the temple of God. So even in your physical body, you are the temple of God. For me, it just changes everything. And I'm ready to forgo every other thing to ensure that I remain a God carrier. I don't know about you. Do you want to be a God carrier? Do you want the presence of God to go with you everywhere and at all times? That is the implication for us. And just like we saw at the dedication of the temple that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. For us, when the Bible says that we are the temple of God, we automatically become the carriers of God's what? Eh? God's glory. We become carriers of what? God's glory. You become carriers of God's glory. So when you become carriers of God's glory, the way you conduct yourself must be different. As I was preparing this message, the Lord was opening my eyes to different things too. And I'm telling myself that, look, Peter, as a carrier of God's glory, you know, you don't carry God's glory into any place. Are you with me? You don't carry God's glory into any place. You don't carry his glory into undignified places. So we are carriers of God's glory. And that's very important. And we also saw earlier that God said he was going to put his name on the temple. And as God's temple, God has put his name on you and I. 
That's also a big deal. When God puts his name on you, what does that mean? It means a lot. It means that, look, you carry God's name. It means that you carry God's name and you carry God's brand. You are branded. Are you with me? You are what? Eh? Branded. Do you know what it means to be branded? Many of us connect to brands. If, for instance, Nike calls you now and says, look, we're making you a brand ambassador. You carry our brand. Will that be a big deal to you? Eh? Why is it a big deal to you? Eh? Because what led okay, what Nike is. Yes. So you are branded by God because he has put his name on you. So if Nike makes you feel excited, then you should even be a lot more excited when God places his brand on you. So the next time you move around, you need to move around with that consciousness. That look, I'm, I'm, I'm branded by who? By God. If Nike decides to appoint you a brand ambassador, I'm sure the way you walk around, you know, your steps will change. Eh? Or maybe Facebook or Google. They come and say, okay, look, you'll be a brand ambassador. Your movement will change, eh? You want everyone to know that you are, you are Facebook eh, ambassador, right? Yet here you are. You are branded by the Lord God Almighty. And that's the brand you carry. It's a big deal. I want you to tell yourself that, look, I am branded by God. I am a carrier of God. So that is it. Because the Spirit lives in you and you belong to God, your body must never be defiled by any impurity or evil. It means that we need to conduct ourselves well. Sometimes last week I was um, studying my Bible in the morning, you know, and the focus was about citizenship of heaven, of the kingdom. And, you know, it then reminded me again that, look, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And then further down, the question was in the commentary, are you behaving like a citizen of the kingdom? I had to ask myself, uh, Peter, are you behaving like the citizen of the kingdom? And then a little later in the day, I can't remember, there was something my wife did and I was trying to react to it and I had that prompting, hey Peter, citizens of the kingdom, do they behave like this? I had to quickly check myself. 
We are God's temple. We are God's temple. So we need to go in this consciousness. We need to operate with this understanding. And the way we carry ourselves, the way we behave and conduct ourselves must reflect the fact that we are carriers of his glory. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So we must not get involved with things that would defile our bodies with any form of impurity or evil, whether by immoral thoughts, desires, deeds, even the films that we watch, the books that we read, the magazines that we read, the, the, the internet sites we visit. We shouldn't go to those places that would defile us because we are carriers of His glory. We are carriers of God's presence. And as you look back at that verse of scripture again, you go back to verse um, 16. You know, and he talks about, he says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? So one key component of the temple of God's presence is the fact that we are the temple of God and in his temple, no idols. No what? No idols. There are no idols. No idols. So idols are not compatible with the temple. In the Old Testament, you couldn't bring in idols at all. That would be the height of defilement. So entertaining idols in us as the temple of God amounts to defiling ourselves. So no idols for us. And what are idols? An idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything. Anything that takes the place of God. And we're told in Deuteronomy that look, idols represent demons. Take time again. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 20 to 21. So no idols in God's temple. No idols. So we need to constantly examine our lives. Are there things that are competing? Wanting to take the place of God in our lives. Those are idols. And as a temple of God, there's no room. No room for idols. No room for idols at all. No room for idols. And I pray that the Lord will help us. No room for idols. 1 Corinthians 10.14 tells us to flee from idolatry. Anything that consumes our attention. 
that competes with God in our lives will become an idol. So the question is, as you examine your life, are there any idols in your life? What are the idols in your life? Because if you are the temple of God, there can be no agreement between the temple and idols. All the idols must give way. And mind you, as you clear them today, you need to watch out so that no fresh ones will creep into that temple. Amen? No fresh ones will do what? Will creep into it. I remember some, so many years back, I was a young man, maybe age 32 or 33, and we're putting up a building. That was the first house I was going to build. I was in law practice. My practice was flourishing. And the Lord was blessing us. So I was building a house. And we were sunking some good money into that house. And, you know, I used to enjoy taking people to the house to show them. You know, and and they will look at the house. They say, "Oh, this is beautiful. This is nice." And you know, I used to just I used to take it in. I used to enjoy it. And gradually, that house was beginning to mean a lot more to me. And one day, I was walking into church at Yaba for Holy Communion. And the security man walked up to me and said, Oh, the house has been demolished. And immediately I got the lesson. I got the lesson. That house was becoming an idol. And that idol had to go. I thank God, I didn't even visit the place to see the rubble. I just went on my knees and I prayed. I said, Father, thank you. So that was my experience. My very first house. Young man, 32, 33. But I went on my knees and I thank God. And some weeks after, the Lord said to me, He said, for this one house, I'm going to give you two houses. I reckon that the Lord saw my heart. He saw the repentance. He saw that I was sorry because I was idolizing the house. And I was beginning to think that that house was the source of my security. House is not the source of possession. should never be the source of our security. So God said to me after some weeks, that he was going to give me two houses. And not too long after that, I got, my wife and I got a house in VGC. And that's the house we live in. Not too long, a few months after that, 
My father just called me up one day and said, Oh, Peter, they've allocated a house to me in Abuja. I don't have the money to pay for it. Before I give it to someone else, are you interested? I said, yes, I am. He said, do you have the money to pay for it? I said, how much is it? He told me, I said, yes, I have the money. I flew to Abuja, I paid for it, and I took the house. God fulfilled his promise. But this time around, I was a different Peter. I no longer idolize those things. They don't mean anything to me. To start with, I have learned that those things are very temporal. And mind you, because one was demolished before. So, I don't idolize them. I just see myself as a custodian, as a steward. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let me move fast because my time is almost... So, no idols. Time will not allow me to share the life of Abraham. But it's a story you are all familiar with. How the Lord had to tell him to leave his country, leave his kindred and leave his family. To leave behind the idol of his kindred. And the Lord took him to a land where the Lord blessed and prospered him. I was also recently reading the story of a lady, lovely lady, Yoda, Joni Yoda. She, she's a writer. She's dead now. She used to be a writer for, the, for our daily bread ministries and writes their devotionals. And, you know, she shared the story of how she and her husband at a young age were, became missionaries and they moved way out of their home country in the United States. And, and she said, look, because they felt they had given up everything, but she then discovered that, look, in her heart, she started yearning for things. And then that desire will begin to consume her. It became a craving for her. It became a craving for nice things. And then that then translated into secretly feeling resentful over not having them. Are you seeing the connection? So you see, it's not just desiring. You move from desiring to craving. And then you move from craving to becoming resentful that you don't have them. You see the progression that the devil takes one. And that's why we need to be very careful. We need to watch it. So, and when you move across these levels, that's where the problem starts. That's when materialism begins to creep in. And when that happens, then there is a new idol in the temple. And you are now desecrating the temple. And Joni said, one day God's spirit opened her eyes with a disturbing insight. When she discovered that that was materialism. 
and said materialism isn't necessarily having things. It can also be craving them. And she said, there I stood, guilty of materialism. God had exposed my discontentment for what it was, an idol in my heart. And in Ezekiel's days, we saw how the Lord dealt with those who harbored materialism, the idol of materialism in their hearts. So we need to watch it. So what idol are you carrying? What idol do you have in your heart? What idol is trying to creep into the temple? Is it possession? Even your career can become an idol. Is it your business? Is it your ambition? So we need to watch it. Let me quickly move to God's acceptance. When you look at verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 6, it says, Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Another version says, I will welcome you. That is what we ha I have tagged God's acceptance. God's acceptance is represented by that phrase, I will receive you or I will welcome you. Separation and embracing God guarantees God's acceptance. And the components of God's acceptance are drawing us near to himself. There can be no better place to be than to be near God. And that means when God accepts you, you carry God's endorsement. I mean, what a joy and privilege to know that at all times you are carrying God's endorsement. And then when God accepts you, when God welcomes you, if you come to my gate and you ring my bell and I open my gate, open my door and you come into my house, what does that mean? I have given you access to myself, right? So when God accepts you, he has given you access to himself. He has given you access. And you know what that means? It's a big deal to have access to God, unhindered access to God. So when you separate yourself and you embrace God, God gives you access to him. And that means a lot. You don't want God to shut you out. Man, because if God shuts you out, <laughs> you are out in the dark hole. But when God gives you access to him, unlimited access to him, that's huge. It's worth giving up everything for. I pray that that will be a portion in Jesus' name. And you can commune with him. You can talk to him and you are assured of his response. You remember David 
great guy. David had that access, that God's acceptance. Another outstanding person I always remember. You know, when God accepts you, He just changes your destiny. He changes your destiny. Your journey path is changed. You remember Rahab? The moment Rahab left her people and embraced God by securing God's people, what happened to her? Her destiny changed. The destiny of Rahab changed. She survived and she was carried along with the people of Israel. And she entered the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Big deal for a lady who was a prostitute. It shows huge transformation that can happen by acceptance. God's acceptance. Just change everything for Rahab. Not to talk of Ruth. I mean, look at Ruth. Look at after her experience, her husband died at that very young age. And she decided that, look, she was going to go with her mother-in-law. She parted ways with her people. And said to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God and your people will be my people. It changed her destiny. It changed her destiny. We see her in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. She became the great-grandmother of King David. She became an outstanding lady. The Lord is here today wanting to change destinies. The Lord is here today wanting to grant unfettered access to many of you and to change your destinies in the name of Jesus. The Lord wants to grant you his acceptance. And then finally is God's fatherhood. God's fatherhood. As you make up your mind to be separate and as you separate yourself and embrace the Lord, the Lord says you will be your father, you will be his daughter, you will be his son. That means a lot. God's fatherhood. It means you will be a you, you would enjoy the compassion of, of a father, the love of a father, the interest of a father. You can depend on God and he would always respond to you. A father is a provider. So you have him as your great provider. You provide your daily bread. You provide shelter. He forgives sins. And then he protects. He's a great protector. He's a shield. That's fatherhood. And it just reminds me of the, 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 the father picture in the story of the prodigal son. 
who will forgive. He forgave his son, the prodigal son. And even the son that was at home, who did not connect with him, even though he was with him, he was willing to forgive and to reach out to him. Even the prodigal son that was coming back, from a distance he saw him, and he ran to embrace him. Do you know why he ran to embrace that boy? Do you know why? That running to embrace him was very symbolic. If he did not run to embrace him, in the outskirts of the village, the villagers would have mobbed the boy. Because what that boy had done was sacrilege. You don't ask for inheritance when your father is alive. And then you go and waste it away. When you come back, you are an outcast. But the only way for the father to send a clear message out to the community out there that yes, my son has done something that is sacrilegious, but he is forgiven, was for him to run ahead before the villagers got to him and to embrace him. That was a mark of forgiveness. And to say, in spite of what you have done, I love you. That's fatherhood. And that's what you get when you decide to be separate. Is there anyone here who wants to embrace God today? You want to be separate? I want us to just bow our heads. You are here. You want to be separate. You want to embrace God. You want to enjoy that fatherhood. Are you like the prodigal son? You have gone on your own. Far away from God. And God is here this afternoon beckoning, asking that you come. He wants you to come out from wherever you've gone to. Way and away from Him. Come back to Him. He wants to embrace you in love and to forgive you. Or are you with Him at home like the other son? But you are just not connected to Him. You do not understand His ways. You don't understand the, His concerns. But you now know that yes, He desires communion with you and fellowship with you. You need to take on his identity so that you can fellowship with him. So that you can be a carrier of his presence. You can be a beneficiary of his acceptance. And you can enjoy his fatherhood. Is there anyone here who wants to give his life to Christ? You want to ask Christ to come into your life? You want to ask Christ to come into your life. You want to ask him to forgive you. This is your chance. And if you are online with us, just stretch your hands towards your device. If you are here, just put your hand, your right hand on your chest and begin to ask God to forgive you and to have mercy on you. 
and to ask God that you want to be reconciled to him. You want to come out from amongst them. You want to be separate. You want to be a carrier of God's presence. You want to be a beneficiary of God's acceptance. And you want to enjoy God's fatherhood. Put your hands on your chest. Begin to talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. This is your chance. This is your chance. Father Lord, as many as are placing their hands on their chest, wanting to be reconciled to you, wanting to be separate, and have decided to come out and to embrace you. I pray, eternal rock of ages, that you reach out to them just like you ran to that prodigal son that was returning and you embraced him. Now, Father, this afternoon you would embrace them. You will love them, show them love and place a ring on their fingers. Let them be carriers of your presence, beneficiaries of your acceptance and let them enjoy your fatherhood. Accept them into your fold. Let them enjoy your forgiveness and be beneficiaries of a new birth on this day. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.